Welcome to Safety Chats. Host Jason Stark, Director of Safety at Baldwin Safety and Compliance, shares decades of aviation experience and a passion for safety. Let's get started with this week's Safety Chat. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Baldwin Safety Chat. As we always say, the podcast, we talk about all things safety management, safety, organizational behavior, you name it. Anything that allows us to critically think about our jobs, about the information that we have, and also maybe a few tips and tricks on how we can do our job just a little bit better, a little bit more effective. I talked about this in the past, and it's this idea of interface management. It has been brought up in the notice of proposed rulemaking that is requiring 135 operators to have safety management systems. They bring up the concept of interface management and how the FAA feels about it and how ICAO feels about it, which kind of different. And the FAA boils it down to find out who you talk to, to submit a report if something went wrong, where ICAO actually expands upon it and say, no, the interface is something that needs to be managed not only in communications, but understanding risk in that interface. And that's what we're going to go from today. The, the reason we talk about interface management, I have a presentation coming up on the East Coast and I'm looking at how FBO operations can introduce risk into flight operations. And I think this is nothing earth shattering to you. And we all know that what an FBO does, I'm not saying that FBOs are bad or bad people. I'm just saying that there are things that can happen at an FBO that can transition into risk and flight. At the very least, can relate to risk on the ground, like damage or whatever, but we're also concerned about the things that we don't necessarily see before we take off if something happened and all of a sudden we have a handful of airplane with something wrong because of something that happened at the FBO. That's where we're gonna launch from today. So let's go back to the idea of interface management. And picture your organization, your flight operations, and think of it as a nice bubble, a nice round circle, if you will. If you're a 3D person, it's a bubble. If you're a 2D, we can go with circle. Now, put that on one side of the page or the stage, wherever you want to put it. Picture the FBO. Now, the FBO itself is a bubble or a circle, right? It's its own organization. It has defined boundaries. But just like our organization has defined boundaries by what we control versus what is not in our control. Same with FBOs, what they control, what is not in their control. Um, so you have this FBO circle and you have your flight department circle. And when you bring them together and push them together, they will intersect. And you will have the slice where it is actually the overlapping of the two circles. Now. Many of you are probably like, all right, Jason, that, that's a Venn diagram. And you're absolutely right. It's a Venn diagram. So let's just call it what it is. It's a Venn diagram, right? So you have this slice here that overlaps. And it is at that slice where the two organizations become interdependent and they're working together and sharing environments. And that's important. So that is what's called the interface. That is where you are interfacing. So the interface at an FBO can be described as when you're being fueled, when your aircraft's being serviced, towed, parked, washed, whatever that the FBO does, even marshaled. So it's where your two entities intersect to perform a function in support of the overall mission. And the overall mission is not saying that the FBO is necessarily subservient to the flight department, I'm not saying one organization is better than the other, but it is the FBO that supports the flight department because it's the flight department 
that has the bottoms in seats going from point A to point B. So that's obviously where we are worried about a lot of risk transgressing into. But in interface management, it's interesting because we, we look at the risk of things that the FBO is doing or is not doing or where they're deficient of that it coming into our bubble and creating problems for us. But in true interface management, we got to also look the other way too. We have to look at risk from the stuff we're doing in our flight departments. If we change a procedure, we change an aircraft, it changes footprint, a fueling procedure changes, lab service procedure changes, whatever it may be. When those things change or we have deficiencies and we don't have clear procedures like running up where we're going to do engine check, that risk can make its way into the FBO world. So we need to be cognizant of that too. But we're talking just about the other way today. We bring these two circles together and you have the slice that is called the interface. And it's in this interface where deficiencies in risk controls in the FBO can cause or allow risk to migrate into our bubble. So for example, let's say they don't have sound fuel training. And we've also seen this where aircraft have been misfueled with the wrong type of fuel. You can see that because they had deficiency in training their line technicians and maybe didn't have the right equipment, the duck bill versus the normal nozzle that the line tech put Jet A in what should have been a 100 low lead aircraft because we're a little in Jet A, we can burn so much of 100 low lead, right? At least we could in the King Air. But, but putting Jet A in 100 low lead aircraft is no bueno, as we say down here in the nation of Texas. That has led to, obviously, a few fuel events and crashes and, unfortunately, loss of lives. But that's the case where deficiency in the FBO has, has created risk in that interface, which migrated into the flight operations. And I hope that's clear. So the question then becomes, what do we do? In interface management, we have to understand what potential risk is in that interface and can we construct defenses to prevent that certain risk from coming into our organization. And again, we're just talking about FBOs. So FBOs generally should have defenses or controls that prevent risk from going outside of their boundaries. So for example, fuel quality testing, fuel training, line service training, towing training, wing walker policies, you name it. They have these controls that are supposed to mitigate the risk at the interface. But sometimes, like I said, FBOs could have deficiencies. Now, if we don't know about those deficiencies, which communication is a huge part of interface management, we should know about those deficiencies ahead of time. But if we don't know about those deficiencies, what controls can we put in place on our boundary to prevent any of their dirty laundry, for lack of a better term, from coming into our house or our organization? And this is what the talk is going to dovetail to coming up here in New York. Right? We look at where the greatest risk is, obviously towing our aircraft, fueling our aircraft, and maybe access panel closer or loading our aircraft. Those are some really high risk areas. And so we're assuming and we should never assume, but we're assuming that the FBO has those controls in place, but we don't know for sure, 100%. We can even say that there is about registered, which is a great thing, but maybe their controls are having a bad day. I don't know, or maybe something happened, but it's always good that we have defenses so that we can prevent any of their shortcomings from becoming risk in our environment. And I know it sounds like a broken record and getting to a point. And the way we can do that is, is a few ways. One of them, 
I'm going to try to give a practical example. So let's look at fueling. Misfueling is a very real risk that can happen. And the last line of defense in a misfueling, if we're talking about quantity and distribution, is the pilot before takeoff or the crew before takeoff. And if that control fails, then all of a sudden you're taking an aircraft that's improperly fueled into the air. Best case is that you're embarrassed. You have to stop early or you have to do something. Worst case is it could create a CG problem and you crash. The other side of it is putting the wrong type of fuel into the aircraft. So what are some controls that we could have to prevent that? Obviously we could say, okay, crew have to be on site and verify fuel and fuel load and fuel distribution for every single fueling of the aircraft. And some of us are like, oh, really? If I got a 6 a.m. departure, I need a fuel like the night before at 11, whatever. We could work it out. But that is a defense. Okay, we could say that, all right, I'm going to verify, especially if some aircraft, you have to move fuel around in tanks or you have to you have to select tanks and deselect tanks. Like you want 500 pounds on the trunk, 1,000 pounds on each wing. They may not be trained to do that. So we have to be there and let it instead of them guessing. So we make sure that the distribution is correct. We're checking the gauges. We check that the fuel has the right truck there. We check that the fuel truck is grounded and we then verify what load they were given or the quantity we were given. That's just one example of a defense. And we can be creative in this, but this is a defense. And what I mean by defense, because like I was saying, if they have a failure in their system when it comes to fuel and fuel training, he pulls up the wrong truck and tries to go over the wing with hundred low lead in your citation jet, or you order a thousand pounds and they somehow translated that to a thousand gallons, if that could even fit in there, but basically he's got full tanks and fuel coming out the fuel vents. That's a problem. And these deficiencies can lead to that in that interface. So what do we have in place to prevent those from happening so that we don't have to carry that risk ourselves? And that is creating those defenses. So same thing with towing. We may say, okay, we're going to be there while you tow it. We want to make sure that you have the right number of wing walkers. And, you know, you want to make sure that you're hooking it up, that you're fastening the straps. And I know it sounds like we're double checking jobs. I'm not implying that we're micromanaging. There needs to be a mechanism in place to say, okay, if we don't know if they have proper training, proper equipment, that we're going to create a problem, especially when putting my aircraft in the hangar, that all of a sudden it's going to become my problem when I take this aircraft into the air tomorrow, then we need to take some measures. Other examples could be the pilots being there, the verification. If you want to know ahead of time, you can audit or you can send an audit and say, okay, do you have fuel quality testing? Do you have tow and line service training like through NATA? Do you have all these things and all these defenses? And I know a lot of you are groaning right now and I can hear it. Do you know how many FBOs I go to in a month, let alone a year? I get it. I get it. But these are just some ideas that I'm spitballing. And that's why I'm saying sometimes when an organization is bio-registered, there is a verification that all those defenses that you are expecting to have are there. And that's the good thing about the ISBA. And that's why the ISBA was such a groundbreaking standard is because now I know that these things that I need to prevent from coming into my organization, they should be defended against at the FBO side. Now that still does not absolve ourselves of either having those defenses or measuring in that interface. And this is where the conversation is going next is this idea of measuring. Now the ISBAO, I think five years ago, put in a standard that talked about measuring vendors and measuring vendor performance. And this is exactly what it was alluding to. Again, interface management, because we can measure control activation or other things that could be a problem in that interface. 
So for example, let's say that you're an FBO in Teeterhole and you notice that a line individual is towing an aircraft, doesn't necessarily have to be yours, but is towing an aircraft with electro tug in a scoop without the strap being around the tire. And a lot of times in the FBO, we might be like, okay, whatever, <laughs> not my problem, not my airplane. And I get it. But what if you were able to report that information into your organization's safety management system and say, look, I observed an aircraft being towed without the strap. It wasn't our aircraft, but it was an aircraft because that kind of speaks to their defenses, whether they're working or not, because obviously that strap's supposed to be around that tire. And then also, if they didn't have wing walkers, we, we could put that in the report and then we can track that and we can see vendor performance over time, whether it be to a chain, whether it be to a location, whatever it means, but we can see this performance because then now we know what to expect in the interface, or we can say we're not using them. If it is these interfaces where things are just a little bit sketchy, then maybe that's where we can be on high alert, where we can do all the pain in the butt stuff. Yes, I'm going to stand out there in the freezing wind while they fuel my aircraft because I want to make sure there's been reports that there's been misfuelings at this airport with this FBO. I want to make sure the defense is in place so this doesn't happen to me. Or yes, I'm going to stand out there after a 14 hour day watching them tow my airplane, pushing it back into the hangar because there have been reports of damage and also line service not using wing walkers at this location. And so it just, it gives you more knowledge. And this is all is coming from the interface. You have to have the interface because this is where your two entities come together and you're doing something together and you can observe that environment. You can observe that interface. You can find things that you need to measure in that interface. And then from that, you can learn what defenses need to be in place in that interface or what defenses they don't have in place in that interface. And we can help inform the FBO too. Hey, you know what? You got guys out there, they're going 60 miles an hour with electro, that would be fun to see, without toe strap on the tire. And so, you know, we can, or if your pin was put in wrong, or if it wasn't put in at all, or if it's missing, these are important things because it's showing that whether it's a lack of defense, an ineffective defense, a defense that was sidestepped, whatever it was on the FBO side is showing that it's present. By us having a defense that's second checked by the pilot, watching some of their observations, that's our defense at the front line at that interface to prevent that risk from coming in. And then we can also measure anytime that we see or perceive that some FBO defenses are not working well. And that, that really does well to inform. <sighs> so let's take a breath. Are you with me? Is this making sense? I hope that it is because it is important. When it comes to this idea of interface management, briefly, what does it look like? Basically, this interface management, what you're going to do is first you're going to describe your system. The system description is something that gets a lot of boo-hoos to it, but we could do a narrative. This is what we do. This is what we do it with, who we do it with, where we do it, that kind of stuff. But in doing what we do, who do we have to work with as a partner to get stuff done? to get the mission done, to get from point A to point B. We, we work with FBOs, we work with MROs, we work with ATC. Another interface that we don't think about a lot is the environment we fly in. When we take off and go into the national airspace system and all its splendor and wonderful things that could happen in there from thunderstorms to complete shutdowns due to loss of modems, these are interfaces. This is where we interface. Anytime our bubble overlaps another bubble, that's the interface. We have to, we have to be able to define those or know where they're at. Now that seems daunting, and, and I think the FAA too would agree, okay, let's start small. Maybe let's look at FBOs or let's look at interfacing with the MRO and then understanding, okay, what risk 
from their organization can make it into our organization. Who do we report that to? That's the FAA and that's where they stop. What can we measure in that interface to determine if risk is being or trying to cross that boundary? And what defenses could we put in place to prevent any risk from crossing that boundary? And likewise, as we get more mature, as we look at our interfaces, just because we're good neighbors and we're good people, we're going to say, okay, we figured out how they could ruin our life. Let's see how we could ruin their lives. So let's say we're going from a King Air 350 to a global, public number global pilot. If I say the wrong number, don't laugh at me. 7,000, 5,000, one of the big old planes. How could that bring risk into our organization? So we go from a King Air 350 to a global 5,000. Okay. But probably going to bring risk into the FBO because now it's got a different footprint, different style. And I go on and on, but being a good neighbor, we can also identify risk in our operation, how it can impact the interfaces with the different organizations. And then we should be able to communicate that to the different organizations and then help them identify ways that they can build defenses or guide them on how they can build defenses. So there's a lot to it. And there's no doubt the aim of this podcast is not to try to paint a very complicated picture of interface management, because it really isn't. If you sit down and think about it, when you put two entities together, this entity does functions differently than our entity. And when people get together doing different functions, things can happen. And we want to be able to prevent those things from happening and measure if things do happen or almost happen. Ideally, we want to be able to take note of that and measure it so that we can be more informed to have the proper defenses in place for future engagements with those entities. And I want to make clear too, just because there may be measurable events, save destroying the aircraft, but because there may be measurable events, doesn't necessarily mean that you should never use that vendor again. Of course, that's an organization decision, but it's informing you saying, okay, there could be a weakness here. We'll let them know, but how do we guard against it? That's what the bottom line is. How do we protect what's ours from any risk? I think I'll stop there. <laughs> I could go on a lot about this because I do feel strongly about this idea of interface management. The kind of the story I told about it, I had a really rough assignment maybe six years ago now, but had to go down to the Dominican Republic for a week when I was on the safety management panel at ICAO and we were hashing out the final parts of 9859, the fourth edition, and the topic of interface management came up and that's where it was born out of those conversations. And it was fascinating because it really stems from construction projects, but in construction and construction management, interface management is huge. And as you might've guessed, it's also big in software and software development. We talked about it down there and we're trying to come up with the idea of common interfaces, but that's hard because every organization is unique, which would probably make a unique interface, but we're thinking, okay, is there a way that we could generalize it? Long story short, it came into 9859 as a result of that conversation. But it is something fascinating and something we need to consider because our organizations are a system within a system. So the entire blob that is air travel is a system of systems. And so when our systems come together or our system comes together with another system, this is like our VEN with another VEN or our bubble with another bubble, things are going to happen. And there's going to be dynamics that we need to understand. And if we can plan and have defenses against any adverse outcomes of those dynamics, that would be fantastic. That would be great. But on that note, I'm done. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, please post them or send me an email. If you have any questions about this, questions about measuring across the interfaces or what are some good measurements, 
definitely drop me a line. We can discuss it. Be happy to discuss that with you. Wherever you listen to this little beast, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go, if you could let us know how we're doing. If you like us, please like us. Give us five stars. If we're not worth five stars, don't give us five stars. But always tell us how we can improve. And that's what we want to do. We want to be your source for this information and we want to serve you. And in that vein, thank you for everything that you do. And until we meet again on the next podcast, stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by Baldwin Safety and Compliance, the leader in safety management for the transportation industry. Since 2004, Baldwin has been providing state-of-the-art solutions and 24-7 support to the aviation and transportation industries. Baldwin's clients include all sizes and types of transportation operators. Baldwin provides safety and related business services to commercial and non-commercial transportation operators, medical transporters, FBOs, MROs, airports, flight schools, UAS operators, firefighters, OEMs, ground transport operators, and others. Visit baldwinsms.com to discover how Baldwin can enhance your organization's safety program.